Lord is good. All the time, that's right. And all the time, God is good. All right, well, I'm, I'm expecting three's a charm. The first week I'd hoped to finish this part. <laughs> then last week we didn't get to this part. I mean, all we accomplished last week was you guys laughing at my drawing, honestly. <laughs> that was what we got to last week. So we're going to try and do it this week. I, I, was, I was wondering there for a minute if the Lord was just going to have us keep, uh, keep worshiping and <laughs> push this off to next week. But no, I don't believe he wants that. Um, I did go over and, and it, so you guys don't laugh at me again, I actually did some, go ahead and put up the next screen. <clears throat> you are welcome. All right. Now you can actually see what I have up there, okay? Um, and, and I'll try and post this on, on Facebook later uh, in case you want to download it or anything like that. But this right here, as we went over last week, this is a picture of the current bride. And let me explain what that means. Now, first of all, we know what the bride is. The bride are those who, they're not people that claim to be Christians, Right? They are people that have been justified by His blood. They have asked Jesus Christ into their heart to be their Savior, to be their Messiah. That is what qualifies you as the bride. So when I put here current bride, it's not just the current people that say they're Christians, but these are the people that if Jesus came right now, they would go with Him. Okay? So if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior, you are part of the current bride. Alright, this is a picture of the current bride. Down here is what I'm going to call the churches. And I probably should have put a apostrophe S there. But th those are the different churches represented in the bride. Like we have different churches, different denominations. All within those that believe in salvation by grace, right? That's what's represented on this bottom level here. And the way it goes right now is the leading of that church, the leading of that specific local body is usually done, and, and by the way, I'm talking about for the most part. Obviously, there are differences to this. We know ignition is different than this. It was set up different than this. So, so I'm not saying that, that everyone to a T is like this. This is the general consensus globally within the bride. You have everything driven by the pastoral staff. Now, in many cases, it might be by the pastor himself or herself. It might be by the elder board. It might be by the deacon board. It might even be the way I grew up, where it was kind of driven by the deacon board, but then voted on by the, the, the body. Okay, it became a political thing, which that's a mess in and of itself. But, but this is basically everything that drives the direction of the church goes through the pastoral staff for the most part. Pastoral staff, it's their responsibility to be hearing from Jesus and the Father. Now, now Jesus' relationship with the Father never changes. 
Okay, so even in the next slide, you're going to see that's no different. Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Okay, that next part is what a lot of Christians don't understand where he said, and if you are in me, you are in the Father. Okay, now he's not talking about just justification. He's not just talking about your golden ticket to heaven. He's talking about relationship, but that's, that's, a, that's a side note. So, so you, you have the pastoral staff that looks up to, through Jesus, who is that bridge that we talked about earlier, that bridge to the Father, and then everything done is to be done by the will of the Father. Even Jesus, when he came to this earth, he said, I only do what my Father tells me to do. It's no different, by the way, right now. Why? Because Jesus did not... Well, let me back up. The Son of God, because he wasn't Jesus until he was born. Alright? He was the Son of God. He was equal with God. Part of the Trinity... And he, at that point, when he decided to become a man, to die on the cross for our sins, as we talked about before in communion, it wasn't just that, okay, I will give up all of this just for the, you know, 33 years or so that I'm a man and human. No. He knew that decision that he was making was an eternal decision. Do you understand that? That Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God. He did not forfeit his manhood when he rose from the grave. And when he ascended to heaven. You have a man sitting at the right hand of the Father. Who is also God, who by choice became man. Are you following me on this? So he still does the will of the Father. He does that simply to show us how we are to operate as well. We're to operate in the will of the Father. So the pastoral staff goes through this bridge, who is Jesus, that gives us access, doing the will of the Father, and that's how church right now is driven. Well, you see over here on the side, the view of the Holy Spirit. This is where it's difficult for the current bride. First of all, the majority of the current bride limits that third party in the Trinity. Limits the Holy Spirit. Limits the Holy Spirit to what they feel comfortable with Him doing. That's a scary thing, guys. It really is. I mean, how would you like to limit God in your life? You wouldn't want to do that, would you? If God was standing before you and and you said, well, here, okay, I'll I'll give you about 20% of your capability I'll allow in my life, but the other 80%, you know, I'm just, eh, I'm not real comfortable with. So so just give me 20%. That, That would be insane, right? That'd be ridiculous. But that's exactly what the church does. Their view of the Holy Spirit is a selfish view of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is merely there for me. It's merely there for me to receive healing. 
to receive direction to get money. Because I, I gotta pay that mortgage. I gotta pay that school bill. I gotta do these things. I, I really, really wanted that new, you know, I don't know what the thing is now. Is it still Xbox? Oh, a Jeep, yeah. No, 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 see, I think a Jeep would be directed by God. So I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about, no, I'm kidding. No, I don't even know what, what, what are, what are young people, are they, what, what's the latest gaming thing now? Is it, is it? Whatever, okay. iPhone, yes, okay. Bottom line is they look at the Holy Spirit as what can the Holy Spirit do with me? Do for me. If, if I'm obedient, then, then he promises to do these things for me. And by, and by the way, that is so true. That is so true. You know, if the Lord wants me to have the most insane, awesome Jeep in the world, which he does, by the way, if he wants me to have that, I can live by faith and say, I can't wait to get it. Can't wait to get those keys. Okay? But is, is that all the Holy Spirit's there for? Or, 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 man, man, I have these back problems, and, and I do. I have these back problems, so, so the Holy Spirit's there to fix my back. You know, is that what He's there for? That's what I mean by a selfish view of the Holy Spirit. And this is where Satan has been so effective in teaching the church, getting the church to believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I don't mean love, joy, peace, I don't mean the fruits of the Holy Spirit, I mean the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. Oh my goodness, what an accomplishment Satan did by getting the church to believe that. Because what What Satan just did in that blow was cut out 80% of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Because see, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you is not just for you. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 that the gifts are for the bride. The gifts are for the church. As he opens up a gift in you, you have a responsibility beyond yourself, right? You have a responsibility to the bride, to whatever portion he's put you in, because you're a piece that if that piece isn't coming together, there's something missing. You know, you ever, you ever put a puzzle together and you're missing a few pieces? Okay. Now, sometimes you could put it together and and you could still get the basic picture, you know, even if it's missing a nose here and, you know, missing this here and that here. But you could get the idea of the picture. But see, the problem is you miss enough pieces. You can't even get the picture. And see, when you don't open yourself up to what the Lord has with His Holy Spirit and what He has promised, you're missing the entire picture. Could you imagine putting a a puzzle piece, or a puzzle together, Let, let's say, let's say it was a map telling you how to find treasure. And I only gave you 20% of the pieces. I may as well give you a gun too, because you're going to want to shoot me with it. 
Because you'll get nowhere. You'll get nowhere. You'll have pieces that don't fit together and, and you'll be guessing and, well, this kind of looks like this, so let's go this way because it kind of feels like that. When at your fingertips, bride, is a way to have all the pieces and to know this is exactly what God wants. I'm confident in my stepping because I have the full picture. That was his full intent for his bride. It was never supposed to be a selfish view of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was to operate in you more than for your own needs. Or even your own relationship with Christ. Go to the next slide. This is what the readied bride will look like. When a bride is ready for Jesus, it will be because Jesus is the one that they go to. You notice the difference here. The difference is the pastoral staff is no different than the rest of the church. Now let me, let me explain something. That doesn't mean that God does not, not have order in a church. That doesn't mean that there's no organization in a church. Because God said everybody has a place and no place is more or less important than the other. But they do have different functions. You know, he, 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 he basically uh, gave a picture of the body and said, you know, is, is your hand any more important than your foot? You know, is, is your leg any more important than your eyes? No, they have a totally separate function. Everything in your body has a function to work as a whole. It's the same with the bride. It's the same with each one of these dots down here represent individual churches. Okay? Within those, and, and look at this. Within those individual churches, there are pieces of the puzzle that everybody contributes to to paint this full picture. This full picture of what they're supposed to do. Now see, if it breaks down there, then there's no way you can get to the next level. Because if you don't have your picture, you can't step into the bride with your single picture that is part of a grand mosaic. Do you see what I'm saying? Are you with me in that? So if a church as a whole However small, however big. If they cannot allow, through relationship, through the gifts of the Spirit, to know the picture of how they are to move forward, then they can't be part of that grand mosaic that God is putting together for His entire bride. See, it's when that grand mosaic is put together, that's when the bride is ready. The overall bride. Now again, I said that all the people, okay, all the people have the same responsibility. Whether it's the pastor, all the way down to whatever. A janitor that works by themselves, has no contact with anybody. Are they less important? Absolutely not. 
See, don't you think that a janitor can be given the same gifts? You bet. See, it isn't the position that brings the gifts. It's God's plan. God has a plan to gift you. He said, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you were given gifts. They may not be activated yet. You may not even believe they're there. But guess what? You don't have to believe they're there for them to be there. Because they're there. Whether you believe it or not. But the relationship that you build with Christ begins to build a confidence in you that he will use them. And that's a key. So, the view of the Holy Spirit in this picture is unified. Why? Because let's say, let's say that all of these dots represent us. Okay? And we're all one church. Not, not that this is the whole bride, but we're all one church. You have the pastoral staff, but then you have all of the other people within the church. It's not just the pastoral staff's responsibility. It's not just my responsibility to hear from the Lord and to tell us the direction we're supposed to go. It's every single one of yours. It's every single one of yours. And it's also, our, and, and you, you, may, you may look at that, and I, I know some people that, that don't believe the same way that would look at, look at that and say, okay, that is absolute chaos. That is absolute chaos to have that kind of control at that level. That literally everybody has control to make decisions or control to do this, control to do that. And what I say to them, or what I would say to them, is that it is not without organization. God does it in a manner that is not out of control. That's why Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 14 that the gifts are to be under control. A prophet is subject to the prophets. Each prophecy is subject to to us listening as Bereans, taking it in, comparing it to Scripture, proving it out. That's not just my responsibility, that's everybody's responsibility. And by the way, it's certainly the responsibility of the person with the gift. But when all of those gifts come together, and they come through relationship of Jesus Christ. You see exactly what we see at this church. You see a synchronicity of how things work in a way that's extraordinary. See, it's not a matter of, well, this is how things need to go. This is how they should always be. Do you understand that if the Lord told me this morning, you know what? I want Josh to stand up here and preach. And you play the guitar. <laughs> you were okay with the first part, weren't you? <laughs> Second part's a little rough. <laughs> What's my responsibility? To go maybe spend ten minutes with him? Okay, show me how to play this song real quick. No, the Lord's going to show me that. But the point is, if he's supposed to preach, 
he's supposed to preach. Because if he is given something, I don't want to miss it. That's the same with each of you. And the church gets bogged down. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's identity. By, by the way, why, drives me insane, and forgive me, I know people are listening that probably heard it this way, but drives me insane, especially ministry workers that need a title. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that. But if you need a title, or you need a position to know your effectiveness in the bride, then you don't need to ask. Because it doesn't come from a title. It doesn't come from your decision of being lifted up by people. It's where God places you. And that's what he wants to do in the bride. This, this view of the Holy Spirit is unified. Why? Because, and, and I didn't draw the lines because there would be way too many lines, but basically, basically there's a separate line because we all go through, to the Father, through Jesus, right? Okay? But then there is a separate, because I look at this as all going up. Okay? But then the part that's coming back is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is who facilitates that relationship. And your responsibility with the Holy Spirit is my place within the bride. Not just... Where do I step, Lord? How, 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 Lord, do you expect me to pay this mortgage this month? You know, how do you expect me to do this or that? Which, those things are important. I'm not saying you don't approach the Holy Spirit about those. You do. But see, in this picture, it's a view of a unified Holy Spirit. In other words, my responsibility in my relationship, my responsibility in, in hearing from the Holy Spirit is not just for me, but it's for you. And that's not because of my placement in this church. You have the same responsibility that I do. Let's say... Well, I'll pick on Josh again. Whatever, I've already picked on him. Let's say the Lord has given Josh a word for this church. But he doesn't feel the responsibility to say it or even to pursue it. Let's say it was there and he didn't even know it. Do you see? It's his responsibility for the bride's sake to build that relationship with Christ because Christ is then going to use him to pour out his portion of that mosaic within that church. And then when that church is functioning properly, then God can take that little piece of a puzzle and put it into his grand mosaic and say, okay, this one's operating the way I need it to. We'll place that right there. And I'm just waiting for this other church right here. Because as soon as they're operating properly, they're going to fit right gloves, hand to glove with this one right here. It's going to be perfect. They're, they're not going to compete. Why? What's the point of competition? 
You know, it, it used to drive me insane. I would go to these, these pastors' conferences. I wasn't a pastor, I was a worship leader, but I always got invited. And I'd go to these conferences, and, and the basic topic in meeting a new pastor was a quantifier of how big your church was. I, I don't know about you, but that's sad. But, but the thing is, that's also human nature. But let me ask you something. Where's human nature come from? Do, are, are we in holy flesh or sinful flesh? So if it is my nature to be sinful, why would I want to operate out of human nature? doesn't even make sense. That's why God uses the small things to confound the big things. Let's turn. And we're, we're actually there. 1 Corinthians. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to turn to verse 6. We're going we're gonna to rip through some of this. See if we could get to all of it. We'll see. 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 6 begins with this. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. By the way, let me stop there just for a second. If you imagine that that verse is just talking about your comfort, you're insanely missing the point. Because what he has gone to prepare for you is not just some mansion with a cool pool. I mean, I'm sure it'll be there too, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a friendship. He's talking about a best friendship, one that is always there for you and will always be there for you. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Get this, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. They're a joke to him. They're scary to him. They make him nervous. He is not able to understand them because they are what? Spiritually discerned. Okay, do you understand the difference? Because in, when we look at something, our first inclination is to discern it intellectually. 
Well, I learned about this in school, and we could kind of break it down like this, and that's how our mind works. So, so let's look at the Word of God and, and let's break it down intellectually so, so that we have all our pieces in place. So we have our bullet points that we can say, okay, yes to this, no to this. Here's the formula of how God gives you a good life. Guys, that's the bride today. Much of the bride. Oh, and when I say much, I'm not talking 30-40%. Much of the bride, 80-90% of the bride looks at it from a natural level. Because, see, they assume if you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, then all of a sudden you're not natural anymore. I would love to meet the person who accepts Jesus Christ into their heart, and their flesh changed. Right? They're no longer sinful flesh. You know, if we get to meet someone like that, I'm really going to be angry with God. Because that's unfair. I didn't get that. How is it that they got a glorified body the moment they got saved? Now, unless they like got saved and got killed, I suppose. But then you're not, exactly. Good point, thank you. See, the, the, the point is that you cannot discern things intellectually and expect to know what God wants. It was the same way for Jesus. Jesus had, what do you think it meant by he had to learn obedience? Do you, do you think it meant that he had to take the Torah and start memorizing? Okay, I can't forget number seven, number seven, number seven, number seven. No. No, he had to develop relationship. He had to come to the understanding of who he even was. That's a hard thing to grasp. That as the Son of God, He was not born knowing who He was. That's a tough thing to grasp. But the Bible said that He had to learn obedience. What is obedience? Obedience is faith. He learned who He was. He built relationship with the Father So he knew who he was. Jesus did not go to that cross thinking, wow, hope I was right. (laughs) I mean, that would be pretty scary. Even if he was right, that'd be pretty scary. But yet we do that every day. Lord, I'm going to step in this way. Wow, hope I'm right. And then all of a sudden everything's coming down on us. See, there's a way to know if you're right. And it's through relationship. It's through trust. It's through knowing His voice. It's through the gift of, gifts of the Spirit that He develops in that relationship with you. It's for the very thing that He says here. The Spirit will give you uh, the spiritual truth in this 
A natural person does not accept the things, verse 14, of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The person who judges, the spiritual person judges all things because, but is himself to be judged by no one. By the way, why is that? Why do you think Paul kind of seemed to contradict himself when he says, judge nobody, and then in another passage he says, you judge them? That's a contradiction, right? This is your answer right here. Because, see, the spiritually discerned will judge everything around them. But they will not be judged themselves. Why? Because they have already judged themselves. When you go before the Lord, this is called keeping a short account of your sin. If you don't go before the Lord every day and say, Lord, show me, show me the things that I have allowed in my life that have come between us in relationship. Show me. Then you're not keeping a a short account of your sin. You're not judging yourself. Do you see what I'm saying when I say that? That you become aware of what you allow in your life that takes you out of relationship with the Lord. The spiritual person judges all things, but himself is not to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He used Jesus Christ as the example. This is another example in this passage to show you that Jesus did everything as a man. Do you, re- do you recognize when he was on this earth, he did nothing as God? He proclaimed that he was God. Because he is. But he did not do anything in his own name. He always did it in the name of the Father. He said his will. I will do every miracle he did. Everybody, Every demonic spirit that was cast out. Everything he did was in the Father's name. And what Paul is saying here is he gave the perfect example of being spiritually discerning. Because he had to listen to the Father in his own relationship with him. Now, I, I want you to understand here, though, that this is not, and this, this is one, one way that the church kind of goes off. Because they say, well, this is saved versus unsaved. Spiritually, is well, that's when you're saved. And the natural man, well, that, you know, that's what we are before we're saved. So those are the unsaved. Okay, first of all, if, if, if you've built any kind of relationship with Christ, you know that's not the truth. Okay, but recognize who Paul's talking to here. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. First Corinthians, it was a Corinthian letter written to believers, not non-believers. It was written to believers. And he said in the first verse of chapter 3, But brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. He didn't say that I couldn't address you because you weren't saved. He said I couldn't address you because you're children. And you don't understand. Why? Because you don't discern things spiritually. Spiritually. 
You discern them intellectually. Do you think that it was a bunch of children in that church? Do you think it was just a bunch of stupid people in that church? Ignorant people. No. No, these were people that had intellect. So he's not talking about them being smart. He's talking about them understanding the voice of God. And the responsibility there is to do that very thing and to not intellectually interpret what God wants for you. If you do that, it's going to take you down roads that you will regret. I mean, can you make a wise choice intellectually? Sure. Absolutely. Can you learn from past mistakes? Absolutely. Can you learn from a book from other people's mistakes? Absolutely. But I can tell you many times that the Lord has taken me down a path that I would not have chosen myself intellectually. Because that's like insane. When the Lord told me that, that they were going to try and abduct me in Nigeria a, year, a little over a year ago, okay, intellectually, that was really kind of stupid to go on that trip. Knowing that it was that attempt was going to happen. And, and actually, in my mind, believing that it was going to be successful. Kind of dumb to actually go on that trip, right? I would never intellectually have made that choice. But praise God that we have another opportunity or we have another way of doing it. We have a relationship that we can build with him where he tells us and he gives us confidence in his choice. And and he told me, don't worry. Don't worry, no matter what happens, I got you. And the only thing he told me is I won't die. I knew I wouldn't die. And I thought, okay, this is going to be cool. (laughs) Because... If they, if they do abduct me, then Lord, how cool will it be if I get to be like Peter? And, and all of a sudden, the church back here is praying for me, and I just show up at a Tuesday night service, and I didn't even fly home. These were the things that were going through my mind. Why? Because it's spiritually discerned. I know spiritually, that was way more than possible for God. It wasn't a stretch for me to think that I wouldn't have to use my return ticket. It wasn't a stretch for me to think that that an angel could come and open the, the gates of a jail and let me out. But you know, it was also not hard for me to think that that same angel could stop them from doing it in the first place. That's exactly what happened. See, when you walk in the flesh and you discern naturally, you will miss the very relationship that God wants with you. You'll miss exactly what he wants to do in your life. You can't, you can't possibly get it because it's spiritually discerned. I was just asking him if he wants me to do this next part, and we're going to. I think this is what Satan's been fighting for a few weeks. 
because he doesn't want us to get this next part. Turn to James, chapter 1. We've talked about this relationship before where it's, it's, not, a, it's not a promise for easygoing, right? Jesus doesn't say, have a relationship with me and it's all going to be, you know, we'll hit the Caribbean and have fun and lay out on the beach and it'll be cool and... First of all, that wouldn't be good for me because I burn. So, right, sorry. I know, I know. For you though, for you though, there would be snow on the beach. Wait, this looks an awful lot like Alaska. All right, you're throwing me off here. No, but this is what Satan doesn't want us to understand. It's that. The very testing that we go through, the very things that we go through that are difficult, where God says, take a step here, it doesn't make sense, but I want you to do it, and you're going to hit trouble with it, but trust me. Satan doesn't want want us to understand that that is also part of God's plan. Verse 2 of chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It produces... Just a patience. It it produces the rock. You know, you ever have somebody in your life that you know you could count on them? You know no matter what, they'll be there. You know that because it's been through many times of difficulty where they were. That's what he's talking about here. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... And and by the way, that's even in understanding what he just said. He just said, look, you're going to have all kinds of difficulty that come in your life because it needs to produce something in you. It needs to build the rock that I need you to be so that when you are used in God's plan, you will have the readiness and the steadfastness and the patience and the fullness of what he needs to accomplish that task. Then Paul says, look, if you don't understand what I'm saying, or James said, sorry, if any of you doesn't understand this, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. You know what that means, by the way? That means he gives it gladly. Not like, seriously, are you here to ask again? Didn't I just give you wisdom last week? And and you're here asking for more wisdom again. That's what he says he doesn't do. He says, awesome, you're back. You're back for more wisdom. Great, here's some more. Or, or maybe, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give you a second dose of what I did last week because you got a little bit of it, but not quite all of it. So here's more. That's how God treats giving wisdom. That's what it means when it says without reproach. But let him ask in faith, and here's the key. Let him ask in faith, verse 6. With no doubting, 
For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. When you ask the Lord, when you ask Him anything, when you're in conversation with Him, do you doubt that He's going to give you an answer? I had to overcome a big hurdle with this one. I had taught the Word of God for 30 years and then was only coming to the understanding that relationship with Him meant communication both ways. So see, I had to ask Him, Lord, speak to me, let me hear Your voice, and I had to be ready to receive that. I had to be ready to hear that. I had to give full faith in that so he would do it. Because it says here, verse 7, for that person, that the one who doubts, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Who? Wow. That's a tough statement. I mean, thank God for that father that said, I believe, help my unbelief. Because he kind of gives us at least a little leeway. God, I'm trying. I'm trying to believe. I believe, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. If you don't have full faith in something that he's trying to teach you or trying to show you, then at least do that. I believe, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe it. This is what I had to do, and it took six months, guys. Six months of, and, and it wasn't filling my head with, with instructional knowledge of how to hear God's voice. A bullet point of follow these ten steps and then, and then you'll hear God's voice. It wasn't an intellectual interpretation of that. It was the recognition that I will hear it because He wants me to in relationship with Him. But I had to believe. I had to believe. And I remember, I remember that turmoil every day. Saying, God, I believe it. And by the way, I, I know the Lord spoke. The first time he spoke to me was August 7th, 2014. And he spoke through Anissa. That's what everybody knows. He spoke through Anissa ecstatically. But even after that was done... I went to bed and I said, that's awesome, Lord. Thank you. But you know that's not what I meant. You know that's not what I've been expecting and what I've been asking for and what I feel you have promised me. So I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted to hear it audibly. And that night at 2 a.m. I did. But see, I had to believe I had to believe and expect, because if I doubted, why would I ever expect anything that precious to be placed into my heart, into my relationship with Him, if I doubted the very thing that would make it happen? Now, you have to be careful here, because it's it's also not... Well, by my belief, I can make things happen. That's a false teaching. 
If I believe strong enough, I'll get that Jeep. Right? If I believe strong enough, I'll get that job. Oh my goodness, Alexis and I, we were in business for so many years. And, and I remember we went through this phase. And it was probably a, I don't know, 15-year phase. That's a long phase. 10-year phase? Where, where we, would, we would go through, everything was sales-driven in our companies, basically. So it was much about motivation. You know, you're not going to be a very good salesperson if you get up and you're just going into work and you're going to clients and you're, yeah, hey, you know, if you want this, it'd be awesome. And, you know, but it's, I leave it up to you, you know, good luck. And, okay, yeah, by the way, that's not going to work. And I'm telling you that intellectually. <laughs> okay. And, and we, we were on this, you know, let's get this, get this, you know, back then it was tapes. Let's get these ten, ten tapes that teach you how to be this and this motivation and everything else. And you can do that and produce a falseness of what you're trying to do. You know, I want that new job. I want that car, I want that house, I want that girlfriend, I want that boyfriend. I'm going to get it through my attitude, through my salesmanship, through my capabilities. And see, what God is saying is, trust me. Because I know what's best for you. And by the way, if that girlfriend or boyfriend is best for you, trust God, you'll get it the right way. If you get it the way you're not supposed to get it, you'll mess it up anyways. And then mess up something good that God had for you. But see, what he wants is he wants you to trust him and don't doubt. You know, we have a number of people that are, that are moving to Nigeria by the end of the year. Yeah, don't doubt. If the Lord has told you to do it, don't doubt. Trust Him that if He's told you to do it, He's going to prepare a way. And if He's told you to do it, but He really doesn't want you to do it, He'll tell you that too. Just trust Him, but don't doubt. The promises that He has given us, Carson being 100% healed, don't doubt. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Because it's absolutely going to happen. Be careful placing a time frame on, on God's plan. But you can have absolute faith in his plan. I know many promises that he's given us. I don't doubt. You don't doubt. Trust that what he's going to do in your life, in his hands, will be perfect. And he'll do it in his timing, but trust him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. We thank you for your love, God. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. God, we thank you for trials that we have to go through where you test our faith, where you 
produce the steadfastness, the patience, the literal faith that is needed for your plan for our lives. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you. I pray this morning, God, that that burns deep within our soul. That we become a readied bride that looks to Jesus to lead. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. I always get excited to learn something new in the Word, and I love when God reveals, um, just unlocks that wisdom and revelation. And uh, but if there's one thing that we have to always remember, and um, we desire it, but we just need to remember is that we can't ever cling to the principle or the epiphany, or the wisdom, or the revelation more than the person of Jesus Christ. Because um, whenever I learned something new, and it reminded me when he was talking about our businesses and this habit of living by these mantras and these tools. You know, it's all about gaining tools to become more successful. And that's still very much uh, a philosophy of this world today. You know, there's a lot of cultural paradigms out there that are trying to, you know, through the, the demonic realm, there is still a passionate pursuit to speak into your life, competing voices with the voice of God to get you to believe certain ways and uh, think along certain lines that will compete with the truth of God. And um, I... Uh, I love his word with all my heart, but boy, what keeps me just straight on the straight path is that intimacy, that relationship, that, um, that knowing who he is, and it'll even keep you from misapplying scripture, which is a huge factor in, um, in the bride and in the condition of why the bride has gotten lost and lost their way a little bit because of the fact that um, when you don't know the Lord for yourself and you, you can't count on that, that guide, I mean, that John 14, you know, he gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. As soon as I lose that for myself, then I rely on awesome preaching, teaching, a wonderful mentor. But if I'm relying on that, then I'm one step away from the full truth of what God has. And then I may humanly reason what they said, so now I'm another step away. Or maybe I just completely misheard it, misapplied it, now I'm another step away. And then all, the, all of a sudden, that's when the church gets all wacky. So, um, so you know, you've heard it a million times already. But that intimacy with the Lord, that's just the key to everything. It is really... Um, it truly guides you into all truth and it really allows the model of the ready bride that he gave you the screen of to, to work so beautifully. And, um, man, that, that's, that's such a, uh, 
an important word. It's such an important, that's a, probably a 10-part series too, so <laughs> no wonder it took him so long to get to it. Um, don't you just love the Lord? I just, I just praise, praise God for, um, yeah, I was saying this this morning downstairs because we talk a lot about, we're talking about faith and what faith is. And man, when you are in, when you're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh, it is just not a dull ride. It is a, a beautiful ride of constant wonder because God is just the furthest thing from boring. The, learning things new of his nature, um, the things he'll reveal to you about your own nature, about his heart, his plan for you, how he wants to use you. Uh, it's extraordinary. And, and one other thing I want to say, too, about the um, things like the prayer call. You know, when Greg said this morning that um, how the Holy Spirit wants to work in you isn't just for you, I want to encourage you. Uh, we've certainly all at times gotten on the call and perhaps we're just like, oh, I kind of hope they don't pick me to pray because, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to be on the call, but I don't know if I want to pray. Now, there are legitimate times, you know, I've got on the call during my sickness and just really could not, I could listen, but I, I couldn't pray, and that's different. But if you find yourself intentionally getting on late to avoid being asked, how do you know that the Holy Spirit wasn't planning to have you pray and wasn't going to use your voice and your um, listening to the heart of God speaking out of you yeah. in the unique way that he speaks to you to speak into that night's call. Mm. I would encourage you to have the guts. <laughs> Get on the call on time. And if you don't want to pray, say, no, thank you. I don't, I'm not going to pray tonight. At least have the courage to do that. Yeah. But don't just avoid it. Don't just run from it. Don't be late. Now, I understand that's not the only reason why people are late. It creeps up on you. 8.30 comes up very quickly. But have the courage to say no. Don't avoid. Don't run. Don't shy away. Amen. Because it isn't just about you. Getting on the prayer call is wonderful for us. But when I'm on the prayer call, I'm suddenly among the body. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Whether there's three or 33, I'm with the body and I'm engaged and um, and if there's a reason you can't pray, just just step up and, and do that without condemnation. Right. Just say no. But I'll tell you, Corey, Wendy, and then when Cole leads, they ask the Lord, who should we have pray? Unless, of course, there's only five people, and then that's pretty easy. Um, but but they do. They ask um, the the Lord who should pray, and um, and you're missing an opportunity to be a vessel, yeah. to be used. And um, I know it's, it's hard to think of it this way, but that's, that's a selfish lens. It's a selfish lens. So when you get on the call, um, boy, be on the call for one thing. It is a, it's a powerful experience. But then also, do not fear being asked because that is one of the steps of faith that is really critical to your journey in future steps of faith. Amen. Being willing to say yes uh, when you're asked. Uh, and nobody says how long your prayer needs to be. So even if right. you say yes and it's a short prayer, right. you know, that obedience to God, oh, you'll be blessed for it. You'll be blessed for it. Um, I want 